Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 11th, and our passage for today is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Well, chapter 2 had a lot of material in it, and Paul had written to clear up confusion. Not to bring confusion, but to clear it up, because many thought that the day of the Lord had already passed, and that their loved ones had been resurrected, and they had missed everything, and had misunderstood what Paul said. And of course, there's always some person that is lying around in the shadows, trying to obfuscate and trying to to make people to doubt. You see, that's the devil's work, is to cause you to doubt the truthfulness of God's Word. And it seems like that the more stern that God speaks to us, the harder time in our generation we have in accepting that. But the Apostle Paul wrote to clear it all up. Now, when he ends chapter 2, he ends on a high note. He says in verse 16 of chapter 2, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement. Everlasting encouragement. Not something that's going to pass away. If we understand the words of God, there is eternal, everlasting, non-ending encouragement, consolation, counseling, and good hope, good expectation by the grace of God. And he said, comfort your heart, encourage one another, and establish you in every good word and work. And the two go hand in hand. The word and work. God doesn't save us and give us knowledge so we can play with it and boast about it. God gives us knowledge of who he is and what he's done and how we should live so that we'll live it, so that we will walk it out. And so he prays for the church at Thessaloniki that they would be encouraged by God's words, that they would be comforted by God's words, that they would have hope and expectation of not only the day in which they were living, but the future that God would give unto them, ever how long it would be. So he comes to chapter 3, and he says, Finally, brethren, pray for us. This is so important. We need to pray for one another and pray for the men and women of God that are out on the front lines wherever they are, for those men who are in the pulpit, for those who are supporting them and undergirding them. We need to pray for them. And we need to pray specifically that the word of the Lord would spread like wildfire and that God would be honored and glorified. This is what Paul said. He said, pray Pray for us that the word of God may run swiftly. The Greek word there is the word treko, where we get our word trek, T-R-E-K. And that is that it would be running. It would not just be lazily going to and fro. No, but there would be direction. There would be a path and that we would swiftly see God's hand move. You see, the harvest is in God's hands, but the reality is if we don't plant and water and pray, then there's not going to be a harvest. And so we must do that. When Paul was at 
Thessaloniki, the hand of God moved in such a way so quickly within three weeks, lives were changed forever. And he said also that we may be delivered from unreasonable, illogical people that have no reasoning skills. They're just wicked men. He reminded the church at Thessaloniki that everybody's not thinking like we are as saved people. Everyone doesn't love the Lord. And so just because somebody says they do doesn't mean that they do in actuality. But the Lord is faithful. Yes, he is. Verse 3, who will establish you? He will set a guard around you, a hedge, a garrison from the evil one. You see, God is the only one that can deliver us. Don't you stare into the demon's face and you talk to them and you do this or you do that. Let me tell you, Satan can sift you as wheat and he would. He would sift me as wheat. If he can do it to Peter, he can do it to us. And no one has any seniority in the house and the family of God. The reality is that Peter not only failed the Lord and denied the Lord on the night that he was betrayed, but according to the Apostle Paul, after years of maturity, after years of preaching the gospel, Paul said, I had to confront Peter when he came to Galatia because he was influenced by the Judaizers. And not only that, he separated himself like he was something special, and he influenced even Barnabas, good old Barnabas, the Mr. Encouragement. He even pulled him aside. And Paul said, I had to go rebuke him openly. Paul had to be dealt with by God. Don't ever get to the point to where you think that now you you have arrived. You haven't. If you begin to think that way, you're exactly right where you need to be in the snare of the devil. That's what the devil is looking for, for you to step in his snare. And one of those is you're going to be right in the middle of it if you begin to think that you have arrived. But he says the Lord is faithful. He will establish you. He'll guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you both that you will do and will do the things that we command you. Paul said, you've been faithful so far, you'll continue to do that. And then in verse 5, he begins to give some parting admonitions. He said, now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the patience of God. And he gave them a warning. Because you see, evidently, by Paul's writing, there were some at Thessaloniki that thought, well, Jesus is coming. He could come any moment. I don't need to be about working. I just need to continually sit around and wait for him to come. And so they began to be idle. They began to be lazy. And so Paul laid down the law. But we command you, this is not a suggestion. This is not an alternative. This is a command in the name of Jesus. Brethren, in the name of our Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, you need to withdraw from that brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. Now, Paul is not saying that you abandon them, but that you do whatever you need to do to treat them as a brother. But they need to feel the sting of not having fellowship and not being a part of the group if indeed they're going to walk in a disorderly way. He said, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil day and night. We did that we might not be a burden to you, not because we do not have authority, 
that is to receive offerings from you and to receive compensation from you, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. You see, the Apostle Paul was living in a day when slaves did manual labor, not those that were educated. He was not those who had come from prominent families. He did. But slaves, but you see, that's what the Romans and the Greeks did. The Jews believed that work was good. They believed, just as the Bible teaches, that Adam was working before the fall because work is healthy for a man. If you read the book of Genesis, you'll see that God gave assignments to Adam to keep, to work in the garden. Why? Because that's healthy. It's healthy to work. Can we take a good thing too far? Of course. But for most people, most people, that's not the case. We err on the other side. And so he said, no one needs to be a freeloader. Everyone needs to do their part. Now, this is true in the work world. It's true in the spiritual world. There's a lot of people that come to church and you say, well, I'd like to see you get involved. Well, you just better be glad that I'm showing up. I don't even have to show up. Well, no, you don't. You don't have to be in the will of God either. And so all I'm saying is don't get smart with God. You can treat me any way you want to, but God will not put up with that because he's tender, he's loving, but he expects his children to be involved. Your primary, your first responsibility is to God, then to your family, then to whatever else it is. But your family is not God. And you need to understand that you have a responsibility, not just provide a living for your family, but to show up and worship in the house of God. Why? Because you desperately need it. And no one is that good. No one is that great. No one is that strong. And you need the house of God and you need to be working and making a living. You don't need to be living off of anyone else. If indeed you can, if you get the point where you can't work and you get the point to where you're disabled in some way, God knows that. But a lot of people say they're disabled that are not disabled. You say, well, I am. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those who are faking it. And we all know people get on government disability and other things that really do all kinds of things that betray their disability. We all know folks like that. You see, our lot in life as children of God is not to live like the rest of the world. And so he says, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. You see, this is a principle of the Judeo-Christian Bible all the way through. Everybody bears their own burden. Everybody does their share. What we need to do is understand that God did that on purpose for our good, not to harm us, not to hurt us. We don't need to be in idleness because it is the devil's playhouse. It truly is. And so he said, you need to work. You don't need to be walking around causing trouble, walking disorderly in a disorderly manner. And what happens is when you got too much time on your hands, you try to make sure that everybody else is doing what they need to do. This happens all the time. It happens in relationships. When people are dating, one's carrying the load. It happens when people are in courtship. It happens when people are married. It happens with children. It happens with parents. It happens at work. This happens all the time where people that have too much time on their hands, they become busybodies. They start worrying about things they don't need to. You need to do something, no matter who you are. 
Nobody just needs to, unless they have to, do what we would just call laying around the house. You need to be volunteering. You need to be doing something. You say, well, I don't need money. Well, then volunteer and give some of it away. Give your time, your treasure, your talents away. Serve other people. God didn't save you to be served. God saved you to serve. The Lord Jesus is the example of that. You remember, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give. That's right. Give my life a ransom for many. And verse 13, he says, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good because it's easy to get discouraged. It's not hard. It's easy. And if anyone does not obey the word of this epistle, our word, note that person and do not keep company with him that he'll be embarrassed. You say, well, I don't want to embarrass anyone. Well, sometimes we all need embarrassed because we're not doing what we need to do. There's nothing wrong with being embarrassed if it brings about godly behavior. We don't need to embarrass someone to be ugly, but we do need to embarrass someone if they're not living as they need to. It's not that we embarrass them. They're just embarrassed because of shame. And we've just about taken that out of our vocabulary. It's called conviction. Yet do not count this person as an enemy, the person that's embarrassed because of their ungodly living, but admonish them as brothers and sisters. You see, this is what God wants. He wants us to look at one another as part of a family, not as us versus them and they versus us, but we need to operate as a family within the church of Jesus. And finally says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's a good word for all of us. May God's grace wrap us up. That's my prayer for you. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.